Hello, and welcome to the Bidmock Podcast. My name is Cody, and this will be the first of what I hope is many. To start, let's just go over some news and updates about a bunch of different fandoms that just caught my attention over the past week. So first, as of the time of this recording, we just got a two-minute trailer for Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. And it's obvious that someone has been watching Dragon Ball Z. Personally, I'm very excited about this. It seems very interesting, almost as if we are getting Super Mario Odyssey 2, but on top of Super Mario 3D World on the Switch. A few days ago, Kevin Feige gave an interview, and he said a lot of very interesting things about the MCU and the future of the MCU. First and foremost, he did confirm, finally, that Deadpool 3 will be canon in the MCU, and that it will be R-rated. This is some pretty good news, although personally, I would prefer them not doing a Deadpool 3 movie. Personally, what I would prefer out of Deadpool in the MCU is to give him a Disney Plus show, make every episode feature Deadpool along with a different character in the MCU. That way we could get a lot of different environments for Deadpool to mess around in, and we could have a lot of different fourth wall jokes about specific characters. We could have an episode where Deadpool is messing around with Spider-Man in the way that he likes to. We could have an episode where Deadpool is messing around with Wolverine, and then we go to him on Asgard. Maybe he messes around with a few villains here and there. He can jump between different realities that way and not be limited to the idea of a single story in a movie. On to the main topic. Today, we're going to talk about Star Wars. More specifically, the future of Star Wars. Now, Star Wars is a franchise that I have always loved. However, I do not see Star Wars as a series of good movies. I see Star Wars as a good series of movies, which may sound the same, but it is very different when you actually start to think about it. Each film on its own has a lot of very big issues, and these issues tend to carry over between the films. So when looking at movies as their own standalone thing, I don't see them as necessarily great movies the way other people do. However, the thing that these movies do extremely well is they build the universe and the lore. So when I say that it is a good series of movies, what I mean is that when you put all of these movies together, it makes for a very big universe that these fans can enjoy and add on to and theorize about. It makes for a very interesting setting in which stories can take place. Now that's not to say that I dislike these movies. On the contrary, I actually really, really enjoy all of these, well, most of these movies. There are two in particular that I'm not a huge fan of for various reasons. But we're not here to talk about that. While I'm going through this discussion, I don't plan on giving specific reviews or bringing up all of these things that I liked or disliked about different aspects of the universe or the canon. So if you're looking for an actual review or ranking of everything we've gotten thus far in the Star Wars universe, that will have to wait for a different time. For now, I'm just going to talk about the future of the series while bringing up examples 
of things we have seen in the universe thus far. There are a couple things I do want to bring up towards the end of The Mandalorian Season 2, which at this point is the most recent thing we have gotten. If you do not want spoilers on these things, you should probably stop listening at this point and go watch them and then come back and finish listening to my discussion about the future of the franchise. I did state that I'm not going to give full reviews. However, while I'm talking about a lot of these things, it's very possible that you are going to get a sense of which things I liked and which things I did not like. Nothing I say is meant to discourage anybody else. If you enjoy the things that I dislike, that is perfectly acceptable. I have no problems having different opinions on these movies with other people in the fandom and in the community. These are simply my opinions, and it does not mean that I respect your opinion any less. It's just that we see this franchise differently, and when you have a lot of people in the community, that is bound to happen. You're going to have people that see it differently because different movies mean different things to people. So without any further ado, let's start talking about the future of Star Wars, because I feel like there is a lot to talk about. Over the past few years, a lot of people have been more negative towards Disney Star Wars. Let's say that that, like, I mean, I feel like that's a pretty fair statement. Especially after The Last Jedi, a lot of people really started to get divided within the fandom. There were the people that were very adamant that Ryan Johnson ruined the entire franchise. There were people that said that Ryan Johnson saved the entire franchise. And it seemed like you were either in one camp or the other. I enjoyed The Last Jedi. I didn't see anything wrong with the characterizations in that movie the way that other people did. But at the same time, I can understand the disappointment. This negativity, however, led into the next couple movies being Solo and the Rise of Skywalker. Solo had a lot of issues behind the scenes, and that kind of led to an overall negative mindset for people even going into the movie. Sometimes when it comes to big blockbusters like that, it's hard to separate the news of what happened on set in the production of a movie from the actual end product itself. And I completely understand that because I had a similar problem with Marvel's Ant-Man. That also had an issue where the director left the project due to creative differences. I had been extremely hopeful and I was really looking forward to Edgar Wright's vision of Ant-Man. And therefore, when going to see the Ant-Man that we received, I came out of that movie feeling a little disappointed. And it's not because the movie itself was disappointing, because after having rewatched it, I do feel like it holds up on its own. It's just that it wasn't what I was looking for because it was hard for me to separate my hope of an Edgar Wright Ant-Man from the final product. Now, is this fair to do in a franchise? I don't think so. I think it's perfectly fine to be disappointed, but I do also feel like you have to keep in mind that you're not always going to get exactly what you're looking for out of a franchise, and therefore you should go into each of these movies with an open mind, as a blank slate. Now Solo, I feel, got the worst of it. Solo definitely had its problems, but overall it wasn't a terrible movie. It had fun moments, it had fun banter and action, and I feel like even with the negative aspects of that script, 
Overall, it came out as a fairly decent entry into the Star Wars canon. Rise of Skywalker had a similar issue where, because of the negative reception of Solo and the divisive nature of The Last Jedi, fans were very split on the Rise of Skywalker, even just looking at the trailers with the reveal that Palpatine was coming back and everything that they were adding in there. A lot of people went into that movie feeling like they were going to be let down. And therefore, it was inevitable that they would come out of that movie feeling let down. So all in all, I feel like in the past few years, Star Wars has been on a negative trend. Especially Disney Star Wars. A lot of people from the old fandom really started championing legacy content and saying that Disney ruined Star Wars by taking the canon away. And here's where I differ from a lot of those people. Now, I grew up with the original trilogy. I was not born at the time that the original trilogy came out, but I was born before the prequel trilogy came out. And therefore, I was kind of in that special area where when I was a child, I grew up with A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi, and I loved those movies. I had a lot of fun with those movies as I was growing up. Then, when I was a little older, the prequels did end up coming out, and I was still within that childish mindset where it felt like a part of my childhood as well. So I had all six of these movies as my childhood, and I didn't really see a difference between the two trilogies. Whereas a lot of people that grew up with the original trilogy really disliked the prequels, and a lot of the people that grew up when the prequels were just coming out felt that the original trilogy was sort of lacking. The one thing that the fandom seemed to agree on was the books and the Clone Wars show. We like to read about what happens to Luke after Return of the Jedi, and we like to see the development of Anakin's character through the Clone Wars series. A lot of people liked that stuff, so when Disney came in and bought Lucasfilm, and they got the rights to Star Wars, and they wiped the slate clean and said, we're going to tell our own story, a lot of the old fans felt betrayed by that. They felt like all of these stories they had grown up with were just gone now, and they couldn't enjoy them anymore. And I disagree with that mindset. Especially because in Star Wars Rebels, which was one of the first Disney Star Wars products that they put out there, towards the end of the series, they do confirm that there are branching timelines and alternate realities within the Star Wars universe and within that mythos. So basically, Disney gave the fandom an opportunity to say, we are telling our own story, but your story is just as valid. Those books you read did happen. They did take place. They just didn't take place on the timeline that we are exploring right now. But because fans at that point were already mad at Disney, they didn't really look into Rebels. They had kind of written it off as this is the end of Star Wars, and therefore they didn't get that validation. Which means that for the sequel trilogy, the older fandom that is already against Disney Star Wars is still on that idea that Disney is ruining the stories that they read and that they experienced while growing up. 
So this is where I have the split mindset, because I completely understand being disappointed about not seeing these stories play out the same exact way you wanted to see them on the big screen. However, I feel that it's only right to give these storytellers an opportunity to tell their own story. So while the franchise has been in a more negative zone in the past few years, there have been a few exceptions. The first of which was the Star Wars Clone Wars Season 7 on Disney+. This overall was seen as a huge success. There were a couple moments in the beginning and middle of the season where a lot of people felt like it was just being dragged out. But all of that was completely overshadowed by the last few episodes. And in those last few episodes, the fandom really got to see all they wanted to see. We saw the Siege of Mandalore. We got to see Ray Park come back as Darth Maul for motion capture in his lightsaber fight against Ahsoka Tano. We got to see all of this closure in that final couple episodes of Ahsoka realizing what was going on. It was a very magical moment because for that few episodes while they were coming out, the fandom seemed to really come together behind this show. And I think that that's something really special that Star Wars had not seen in a very long time. We also got The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. When you look at The Mandalorian, it's very different from the movies and shows we've gotten before. The other movies all tie into this one massive story of the Skywalker saga. So the central characters are always Anakin and Luke for the most part. The final three kind of deviate from that and they try to introduce their own characters, but it still ties into that same story of Anakin and Palpatine specifically. But The Mandalorian does something very different where it's essentially, it's really just a western that has a different plot for every episode, a different problem that they need to overcome, and they do, with the exception of the finales where there's kind of an overarching plot that comes into play in those final couple episodes of each season to move the story of The Mandalorian along. But I think that that's the really special thing that the show did, is it showed that you don't need to have the Skywalkers there. You don't need to have a Jedi, even, in the main cast. You can tell a story that's in a completely different genre, with characters that we don't know anything about, and it can be well-received. And I feel like that's the important thing to take when moving forward. The one thing that I will always say when it comes to the sequel trilogy is that Disney relied far too heavily on nostalgia. Had they been more focused on telling their own story and using these new characters that they introduced, I don't feel that these movies would have failed the way they did in the eyes of the fandom. I don't feel like people would have been upset if the rise of Skywalker had gone in a completely different direction and said, you know what, we're not going to use Palpatine. We're just going to come up with some other story to tell and not tie this back into the whole Anakin-Palpatine storyline. I feel like this can be seen 
specifically in The Rise of Skywalker, there are just so many scenes there driven by pure nostalgia, and you can tell. it's it's They don't even hide it very well. That's not saying that nostalgia is bad just because it's nostalgia. There are shows that earn that nostalgia, and this is where I'm kind of split on The Mandalorian, because in the season two finale, we do see Luke. He ends up fighting his way through all these droids, in the spaceship and he gets to to the main cast and he reveals himself so we do get that moment of nostalgia where it does the excitement you feel does rely on the fact that we know it's luke and we know who luke is because at no point in the entirety of the mandalorian do we actually hear much of anything about any jedi or luke at all like, we hear bits and pieces about how the Empire fell and how there used to be Jedi that fought the Mandalorians, but that never really matters in the plot of the show. Like, it doesn't matter. Until Grogu is taken to Ahsoka, that's the first time we see anything about a Jedi, and she's not even a Jedi at that point. When she tells our lead character, Din, to bring Grogu to the Jedi Temple and that perhaps a strong Force user will be able to sense him and come to his aid, I knew that there were only a few possible outcomes to that. I knew that it was either going to be Luke Skywalker, Ezra, who at this point in time I believe has gone missing, and it could have also been potentially Cal from... Uh, the newer Star Wars uh, game. I forget its name at the moment, but the one that's Dark Souls. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. He's the protagonist in that game that you play as, and I don't think they've ever fleshed out what happens to him after that game, because I'm pretty sure they wanted to leave it open for a sequel, which very well could happen. So at this point, we can assume that he is still out there as well. So I knew that it was going to be one of those three. And honestly, I hoped it was going to be anyone other than Luke. My reasoning for this is that we've seen the Skywalker saga. We know how that ends. We've gone through so many movies of seeing Luke Skywalker and his group go through all of these adventures. We don't need to see more Luke Skywalker he was only there so that we could get a shot of the X-Wing, we could get the shot of his hand, and then people would get excited because it's Luke Skywalker. However, I can also see that in this specific instance, the show earned that nostalgia. We had two full seasons where the show set itself up as its own separate thing. It had a distinct identity, and it did the groundwork for its own characters. And therefore, in that moment when we get that heavy nostalgia at the end, it doesn't feel as forced because they've already earned that. Now, in Season 3, if we see that Luke Skywalker has a huge role in the show, that's when I'll start to have a problem with it. But at this point in time, I can at least say that the show earned that nostalgia. So overall, for the future of the franchise, I suppose my overall biggest hope is that they learned 
not to rely on the nostalgia and only use it very sparingly here and there for perhaps an exciting moment or an exciting cameo. Now that we've gotten that out of the way though, let's talk about some of the specifics about what we're getting from Star Wars in the future. Because at the investor meeting, Disney revealed a lot of projects that are coming out for Star Wars specifically. For example, we, I mean, let's be honest, we knew Mandalorian was getting a season 3. That was one thing we all knew. And I don't think that's a bad idea, especially with where they ended season 2. I think that season 3 has a lot of potential, especially if they just kind of drop Luke Skywalker out of the equation for that season like he took grogu they're gone we can not see anything else from them and i'd be fine with that because the majority of season three i feel like they're setting it up to be this but it honestly should be just din dealing with the consequences of where season two brought him because if we look at his character arc one thing we've seen through season two is this concept of not removing the mask he is in this basically cult in which he was raised to believe that you cannot show your face to anyone you cannot take that mask off in front of other people and at the end of season two in the last few episodes din makes that choice that grogu is more important to him than this way of life that he was raised to believe. So he has taken off his helmet. He has shown his face not only to everybody that was in the room in that finale, but he showed his face in order to get the location of Moff Gideon. The Empire now knows what he looks like, which means that if there are any other members of Death Watch in the world right now, chances are they're gonna find out because I'm sure that the remnants of the Empire are gonna plaster that face all over because he attacked Moff Gideon and took the Darksaber. He's a wanted man at this point. So Death Watch is going to know that he revealed his face, which means he's gonna be probably either hunted or just excommunicated from that group. He's not gonna have them to go back to. Meanwhile, you have the other group of Mandalorians who he's not going to be able to really go back to either because he has the Darksaber, which is in direct conflict with what Bo-Katan wants. She wanted the Darksaber, which means she's either going to have to fight him or just accept that he has it, which is another issue that I had with the season two finale because I don't think they really explained the way the Darksaber works in a satisfying way, especially considering the fact that there have been instances where it was passed on to people without combat being involved. However, the rule of this show states that it can only be won in combat, which means that Din is going to have to find a way to either make good with Bo-Katan or she's going to have to end up being an antagonist of the series as well. So it puts him in this odd place where he had a strong like family unit. He had Grogu and he had these this group of people around him that were helping him because of Grogu and that's now been stripped away from him. And so I feel like that's what season three should be. It should not focus on Grogu actually being there, which I'm sure will disappoint a lot of people because 
a lot of people watch The Mandalorian because of Baby Yoda. You know, he's cute. I get it. But I feel the strength of Season 3 should come from the mention of Grogu without Grogu being there now. Because it's going to be about Din and his character growth after that. So I think Mandalorian Season 3 is going to be a very interesting one to see. And I hope they do it well without relying on the Luke-Grogu stuff. I, I would like to see them stick to only Din and the cast that they've introduced. They also mentioned a few other projects like... Patty Jenkins is going to be directing a Rogue Squadron project, which is very interesting. I, I'm hoping that it doesn't really have much to do with any of the movies that we've seen, any of the, you know, Skywalker saga stuff. I'm sure they'll put some, you know, Easter eggs in there, unfortunately. It seems Disney can't help themselves but to do that. But I hope that Rogue Squadron ends up being very good because I feel like that's another instance where they can take these relatively unknown people and make a good story surrounding that in a different style. They also mentioned Rangers of the New Republic without really giving too much information on what that's going to be. They said Ahsoka's getting her own show, which I feel is a good move. Rosario Dawson, I feel, did a decent job in the episode she was in. Uh, I, I'm not quite sold on her quite yet, but I feel with an entire series that she can grow on me. She is a very good actress, and I feel like there's a lot of room for that character, especially if they bring in Thrawn and Ezra into that series. We're getting an Andor series about Cassian Andor from Rogue One, which could be very interesting. We're getting an animated series about the Bad Batch in which it's going to take place during the transition from the clone army into the Empire, which I feel is a very interesting concept that they're going to have to uh, delve into. Because, I mean, these clones were created to fight for the Republic, and now all of a sudden they're going to have to swap their role to that of an army for this Empire. Now, my prediction for this series is that throughout the series, we're going to see them being tasked with these specific orders that they're that they're not going to want to follow so by the end of the series i feel where it's going to end up is the emperor deciding that he needs to destroy this clone army because it's not suiting his needs and i feel like they're going to tell this story through the eyes of the bad batch which is very interesting and i actually really enjoyed their episodes in clone wars uh, season 7. So I'm excited to see that they're getting their own show. We're also getting a Lando show, and my hopes for this honestly are a little strange because I kind of want it to be an adventure comedy. So let's talk about what I mean by that. Well, we know that we have Billy D. Williams as the older version of Lando, who at this point in the canon we know after Rise of Skywalker is traveling around with the character who I'm assuming is his daughter. It seems like that's what they were hinting at in those final scenes of the Rise of Skywalker epilogue. So he's traveling around with her, trying to find out about her past. We also have Donald Glover as young Lando. Now I feel like it would be very interesting to see a dual timeline thing going on in this series where you have older Lando with his daughter, or assumed daughter, 
and they're going about their adventure, and while they're doing their stuff, he rem he's reminiscing about things from his past that will help them in their current situation. So he can be, you know, the Billy D that we all know from the original trilogy, and then while they're going on their adventure, he reminisces and it flashes back to an instance of an adventure with the Donald Glover Lando that so many people loved from Solo. I feel like giving it that type of setup could be very good in making it a very accessible adventure comedy that you could you don't need to necessarily be watching for the overall story but you can watch it as a week-to-week -week series and it still does have the overall story because the end goal of this series is, is of course coming to the finale where old Lando and his daughter realize that they were separated and that they are family. That's obviously the end goal that they're going to. So we don't necessarily need to be hugely invested. You could even make it like fourth wall joke where like the audience, we know that that's where they're going to end up. She's his daughter. But for some reason, they're just so clueless they don't understand that fact. So it can kind of be just like a recurring gag throughout the show. We're also getting a show called The Acolyte, which I don't know much about. I didn't really see much information about it. And we're getting a show called A Droid Story. I'm going to be honest. The first thing I thought about when I heard this title was the episodes of the Clone Wars animated series that revolve around R2 and C-3PO and the group of droids as they're fixing ships and stuff like that. So I feel like... That's most likely what we're going to get. And if that's the case, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Because the animation in those episodes was very good. So this could be used as just kind of like, almost like a tech demo show. Where you show off just really quality animation. Either that or it's going to be a live action series of droids rolling around. And it could just be like, almost like a tech demo for that. For like animatronics, which could be also pretty interesting. Now we come to the three series that I specifically saved for last in this discussion because these are the three that I'm probably looking forward to the most. The first of which is Book of Boba Fett. Now they kept this out of the investor meeting specifically because the investor meeting took place before the season two finale of The Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett was the mid-credit stinger that they left us on. But this stinger gives us a look at a Boba Fett who is going to be taking over the Hutt family and their crime syndicate, which is extremely interesting to me because they kind of hinted in Solo that we might be getting some sort of crime syndicate storyline. I know that there was a lot of rumors going around at that time of a Crimson Sun show on Disney Plus, which would feature Darth Maul, who was a cameo in the Solo movie, going around and basically just running a crime syndicate. And I feel like that's a very interesting concept that they just didn't do anything with. So I'm hoping that that's what we get in the book of Boba Fett. Perhaps Boba Fett is going to go around and just build up his own crime syndicate. I mean, at this point in time in the canon, Darth Maul has already been killed by Obi-Wan on Tatooine. So we know that Darth Maul's not going to be there unless they try and pull some really weird stuff. And I hope they don't do that because honestly, I feel like that will ruin 
what I consider to be one of the most perfect character deaths in all of Star Wars. But having a series that focuses on Boba Fett running his own crime syndicate is honestly really cool. And I feel like that's something that's very different for the for the franchise. Like, we haven't seen that visually yet. And I feel like that's what they need to do. They need to show us these side areas of the universe that we haven't really seen yet. And that's how they're going to really separate themselves from other franchises that start to become too samey. Honestly, that's why I'm looking forward to this next series as well. They announced something called Star Wars Visions, which is going to be an anime anthology series, which is a concept so cool to me that I'm honestly surprised that they haven't yet done it. This is going to be a very interesting, I'm sure it's going to be a very experimental series. I don't know how long it's going to last, if they're going to renew it for multiple seasons, or how it's going to work, but just the idea of getting a bunch of different creators to make an anime episode based in the Star Wars universe is just so cool to me. One of the things I feel that Marvel started to realize towards the end of its Infinity Saga was that if you make movies too similar, people are going to start to feel bored by what they're seeing. And I feel like Star Wars kind of hit that same point more recently with the sequel trilogy once Disney started pushing out movies because you basically got a movie every year, but because they're all the same tone, it felt like you were just going to see the same movie every year and it started to feel like basically just Call of Duty in a movie format. So what I think is so special about what Star Wars is doing is that it looks like they are trying to differentiate some of these projects. I mean, as we've discussed, The Mandalorian is more or less a Western. Then you have something like The Book of Boba Fett, which could turn out to be like a very dark crime drama. You have something like Lando, which could easily end up being a comedy with you know, especially with Billy D and Donald Glover both in the cast. You have The Bad Batch, which is an animated action drama, I suppose. And you have Visions, which is an anthology series in an anime style, which means it could basically just be anything. Like, every episode could be a different genre and a different tone. And I think that that's just so cool. And now we get to the project that I am personally the most intrigued by. And I'm sure that as I've been talking, a lot of you have just been waiting for me to bring this one up. And it might seem odd that this is the one I am most looking forward to. Because I've already mentioned that I feel like Disney Star Wars relies too heavily on nostalgia and they need to separate themselves from that. But honestly, I am really looking forward to the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. They've already kind of hinted that this is going to be more of a psychological drama. We know it takes place on Tatooine after the events of Revenge of the Sith, but before the events of A New Hope. So it's going to be about Obi-Wan living on Tatooine, just watching Luke grow up, which... How much can they honestly really do in that setting? 
I mean, not much, right? You would think. So it's going to have to be more of a drama or more of a slow burn because how many different events can go on in that time? They've also stated that it's going to be a mini-series and not an actual ongoing series. So therefore, it has a definitive beginning, middle, and end. They have a very specific story that they want to tell with this one. And of course, we do have confirmation now that not only is Ewan McGregor going to be in it reprising his role as Obi-Wan Kenobi, but Hayden Christensen will also be in it as Darth Vader. This is the series I've probably given the most thought about, and I feel like I have put myself in a position where there are very specific things that I would love to see, and I feel like I've kind of boxed myself into one of those corners where now, no matter what they do, I feel like I have a very high chance of being disappointed because my own imagination has put it at such a level that I don't think that realistically they can compete with it. Which is unfortunate because I feel like this series has a lot of potential. But if I were to limit it to just a few things, here's what I would want to see out of this series and I hope that this is what they do. I do not want to see a scene where Obi-Wan and Darth Vader are actually physically in the same space. Because that adds too many questions to just the series as a whole. Like, if Darth Vader knows Obi-Wan is on Tatooine, why would he not put two and two together and say, Oh, well, I guess one of my kids is hiding out there. Why else would Obi-Wan be there? He's got to be protecting something. So it doesn't really make sense if Darth Vader knows that Obi-Wan is there. However, there is one exception that I will give uh, to this series because we don't actually know when the last time Darth Vader sensed Obi-Wan was. He gives a line in The New Hope where he says, I haven't felt this presence since, and he kind of trails off. And we all just assume that it's Mustafar when Obi-Wan left him for dead. But what if it wasn't? Now, if this series is going to be more of a psychological drama, and it's going to be more of a slow burn, I feel like that's okay, and I am 100% for that. But if they are going to add action to it, or heavy action of any kind, I would like it to be reserved for the finale. And here's the setup for the finale. I would like it to be that perhaps there's some sort of bounty hunter or scout for the Empire that finds out that Luke is is the son of Darth Vader and that he is on Tatooine and Obi-Wan has to prevent that information from getting to Darth Vader and that's the setup for the finale so in the finale you have a situation where Obi-Wan actually does leave the planet of Tatooine perhaps they even get to like a star destroyer that Darth Vader is on Obi-Wan ends up taking care of this bounty hunter, officer, what have you, but in doing so, he reveals to Darth Vader that there is a Jedi on the ship, and Darth Vader knows exactly who it is. So in that final sequence, we don't actually see Obi-Wan and Vader together on the screen, but we have a cat and mouse sequence where Obi-Wan is frantically trying to escape the Star Destroyer 
to get back to Tatooine, and Darth Vader is so mad that he is just ripping the Star Destroyer apart trying to find Obi-Wan. And if they add any action to the series, that is the only action I would like them to see. I don't want to see Obi-Wan and Darth Vader actually seeing each other. I don't want any type of lightsaber fight or anything. I just want to see Vader basically an extended version of the Rogue One sequence when he is trying to get the, the plans. It doesn't need to be like this huge epic lightsaber fight. I feel like the emotional drama is more than enough. So I feel like that amount of action would be enough and it would be it would serve multiple purposes because it would give us an example of just how much rage Darth Vader has for Obi-Wan. Because he basically feels like, at that point, Obi-Wan destroyed his life, right? So it shows us that rage, and it gives us a cool moment where we get to see Darth Vader being really terrifying, because that was one of the best moments of Rogue One, is seeing Darth Vader being that scary. <laughs> and I feel like seeing that again would just be so cool. But there is one other thing that I want to pitch. It's not necessarily something that I would like to see or that I think that we will see because I feel like it's very likely that the writers of this show are going to want to distance themselves from the memes. I would personally like to see them embrace those memes in a lot of different ways. Like perhaps you have Ewan McGregor say hello there at least once in every episode. That's just me. But the one thing that I've pitched to myself that I would like to pitch to everybody else is the opening of the series. Just the cold open. It doesn't need to lead to anything in particular. It's just something that I thought would be cool to see and it would embrace some of those memes in a way that not only acknowledges them but it also gives some depth to them. So the cold open, it doesn't start on Tatooine. It starts on Mustafar where we see Darth Vader overseeing the building of his castle. In this process, what they are doing is they're taking down the old buildings. Uh, so Vader's basically seeing the area where his life was ruined, where he and Obi-Wan had that fight. As he's going through this destroyed building, he's getting flashes of that fight. So we hear the, the whooshing of the lightsabers when he goes into the control room. Maybe we get like a little glimpse into his mind and we see like a quick flash of that scene. Then he goes out to the banks and he hears the I hate you or the you are the chosen one and all of that and it gets us really emotional. Then he goes out to the hang or the, the landing pad and in that moment he starts flashing back to, you know, you're breaking my heart. Uh, if you're not with me, you're my enemy. And the last thing that he flashes back on as he's looking down at his body, which is now mostly robotic, we just hear echoing in his head, because of Obi-Wan, because of Obi-Wan. And I, it sounds like it would be more funny <laughs> than serious, but I think that there is a way to do it which would not only ground us in the psychological drama tone and genre of the show that they seem to be wanting to go with, while also acknowledging the past 
of this franchise that has meant so much to people. And I just feel like that would be so cool to see. Unfortunately, though, they probably won't do that because, as I've said, they probably want to distance themselves from those memes. But if they just embrace them a little bit, I feel like it would make the series so much better, even if it's just for the really devoted fans from the community going, Oh, I remember that meme. I just think it would be so cool. Anyway, what are your thoughts on this? What do you hope for from the future of Star Wars? I mean, honestly, there are things that I just haven't even touched on. For example, I haven't touched on the books that are coming out. I actually have one that just released recently that I haven't started reading, but I'm looking forward to getting into that and seeing how they're going to tie all of these themes and stuff together into the the high republic which is coming in now how i also haven't even talked about the taika waititi trilogy or movie i don't remember if they said it was a trilogy or just a single movie but i didn't talk about that at all either but what are your thoughts i'd love to hear them you can follow me on twitter at bidmock that's b-y-d-m-o-c tweet me with your ideas on what you would like to see or if you have anything to add to what I have said here today. Before we go, I feel that it's time that we should talk about the real-world life of a person. That person is going to be me. So what am I reading? Right now, I'm currently actually reading, or rereading, I should say, The Chronicles of Narnia. It's a book series, for those that don't know, written by C.S. Lewis, and it's more or less just the Bible retold in a fantasy setting to be very, like, to be very simplified, I suppose, is the best way to say that. Because there is a lot more to it. I don't want to just write it off as the Bible retold in a fantasy setting. It is a lot more than that. But it encompasses a lot of different, it's seven books all in all. In all. The most popular one that people will probably know being The Lion, the Witch, and The Wardrobe. So I'm rereading those at the moment. I actually did not own them. I suppose that because I read them so often when I was younger, they kind of got destroyed and disposed of over the years. So I actually bought a hardcover collection of all seven books, and it puts them in in-universe uh, canonical order, and it sets them on the timeline, which is an order that I've never read the books in, to be honest. And I don't know why. I Like, I've read the series, I want to say at least five times uh, when I was in middle school. And I, ne for some reason, never read it in that order. I always went in the order that they were published. So reading it in order of the, like, in-universe timeline is very interesting to me because there are references in some of the books to other books. Like, he flat out references the other books by name. So it's just interesting to see those in a book that comes before the book he's referencing. Like, if you know what... Like, because, I mean, The Magician's Nephew is the first book. And in that book, he flat out uses the name of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. As if you've already read that book, which obviously I have. But thinking about it, like, it's very odd in this specific collection. Because if somebody has not read the book, they're not going to know what you're talking about. So it's... I don't know. I just find it very interesting. Uh, but yeah, thus far I've been reading that and I've read Magician's Nephew, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and I'm almost through The Horse and His Boy, which 
perhaps I'll I'll devote an entire podcast to the Chronicles of Narnia because I do want to talk a lot about it because there's a lot that I'm realizing for the first time in my reread of this series. Perhaps because I was just young and I didn't really know enough about religion and maybe it's just maybe it's just because times have changed, but there's a lot that I'm noticing. Maybe I'll save that for another podcast. But the one thing I do want to discuss about this book is that the hardcover also comes with uh, an essay that C.S. Lewis wrote, and it's in the end of the book. And there's just one quote I want to talk about because I really like the quote in itself. The essay itself is about writing stories for children in which he discusses that he has that he approaches a book as if it's a story he himself would want to tell or be told. He then goes on to talk about how, especially with fantasy, and I feel like this is kind of a place that we're at currently in society too, because there are a lot of things that, especially in the, I suppose, nerd culture is what we should call it, there are things that people are interested in, but when you say you're interested in them, you kind of get that look from people like aren't you too old to be interested in that stuff and so this quote really interests me because c.s lewis says that it doesn't really matter how old you are the interests you have as a child shape who you are as an adult and so it's okay to still enjoy those things while also having more adult interests and the quote goes A tree grows because it adds rings. A train doesn't grow by leaving one station behind and pulling on to the next. And I think that that's just such a good way of putting it. Because I completely agree. While there are things that some people might see as childish and they might say, Oh, you're too old to like something like that. Well, why? Why are you too old to enjoy the things that you enjoyed as a child? You can, you can see that these things are childish. That doesn't mean you should immediately lose interest in them. They are a part of who you are. What have I been watching, though? I myself have found that recently I kind of want to revisit a lot of those things that I did like as a child and see if they still hold up. So most recently, the show that I've been re-watching is Digimon Adventure and Digimon Adventure 02. Basically, everything from that first group of kids in the Digimon series. Now, for those of you that don't know, Digimon is, to simplify it, it's basically just a group of kids go into a computer and they find out that they have digital guardians. I have to say that I've finished the first season and the second season. I watched the first movie that was brought to the west so it's more or less the first three japanese titles combined into one and then i also watched the most recent movie from last year from 2020 which is basically just a conclusion to the digimon adventure series uh and when i say digimon adventure for those that aren't into this into the franchise Digimon Adventure does not encapsulate every season of the show. Digimon Adventure is season one, season two, 
and specifically the Digimon Adventure movies. And I have to say that while a lot of the animation does not hold up by any means uh, in the old seasons, especially those older episodes that came out in the late 90s, but the character writing even in the English dub, is so good. We have characters in that show dealing with, like, learning that they've been adopted. We have a character who is motivated by the fact that he almost accidentally killed his sister when they were younger. We have two brothers who live in a split home. And it's it's just so interesting going back and watching that and seeing all of these very mature themes that when I was a kid, I just didn't remember. I've also watched a few new movies. There haven't been many new movies that came out this year, uh, but there were two that came out over the last couple weeks of the year, uh, specifically on Christmas Day. Those movies being Wonder Woman 1984 and Soul from Disney Pixar. Wonder Woman was rough. Uh, I was extremely disappointed by that movie. There were some good moments in it, but I feel that overall, it just kind of was too many ideas shoved into one movie. But, I mean, if you have HBO Max, it's on there. Soul, on the other hand, is honestly one of my favorite movies that Pixar has ever made. It's basically just an existential crisis put into an animated movie. The entire movie is about what the purpose of life is. That is such an adult theme that even adults can't comprehend, but it's put into an animated movie. I feel like I've said interesting so many times over the course of this podcast, but I mean, it's, that's honestly the only way I can describe it without giving any spoilers. Ultimately, I guess what I'm saying is, if you like Pixar movies, Go and watch this. If you liked Inside Out, you're probably going to love this. If you liked Coco, you're probably going to love this. If you liked the first 10 minutes of Up, you're probably going to love this. What have I been listening to? This might seem a little childish, but I guess it goes back to the Lewis quote again. I have been re-listening to a bunch of Disney soundtracks in my spare time. I just want to feel childish again and escape the real world for various reasons. I'm sure you all know what I'm talking about. But so yeah, I've been listening to a lot of Disney soundtracks. And as far as new things go, I recently found the new single from Olivia Rodrigo called Driver's License. I highly recommend listening to this song. It is actually very good. Um, it gets stuck in my head so easily i've been kind i've found that i've hummed i hum this song to myself at work all the time she is very talented i can't wait to see where she goes and what have i been playing so i've really just been playing mobile games at this point just to like take up a couple minutes here or there but there is one thing that i definitely wanted to talk about and that is monster hunter rise now that game is launching in march on the Nintendo Switch, and it has a demo available right now on the Nintendo Switch. I highly recommend that if you are interested in any Monster Hunter games, if you are interested in even that style, like even if you know nothing about this type of game, the demo is very accessible. It has 
training and tutorials and everything. It's very easy to get into and you don't need to pay for it. So I highly recommend downloading this demo. It's a very, it's probably going to be a very good game. Monster Hunter games tend to have a lot of quality uh, put into them. So I'm very excited for this game. I played the demo. It's good. If you have a Switch and you have time, I suggest downloading the demo, giving it a try. It's free. It's not going to hurt you to give it a try. Okay, that's all I have for you today. Thank you for listening to this podcast until the end. I know I have a tendency to ramble. If you'd like to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at Bidmock. That's B-Y-D-M-O-C. Come back every week. I will be uploading a new podcast about a different topic where I'll discuss some generic news updates and then one main topic, and then we'll look at the real-world life of a person again. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>